Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today I have another episode of Monday Night Madness where I'm going to give my review on WCW Slamboree 1998. Starting off the evening and going to our first match on the card, it is Fit Finley versus Chris Benoit for the WCW Television Championship. Starting off the match, it's pretty much a back-and-forth match between Benoit and Finley. Finley's pretty much trying to keep the pace of the match. Benoit does hit Finley with a chair, though. Benoit then goes for a tope, but Finley hits Benoit with a chair on the outside. Benoit then hits two German suplexes on Finley. Booker T is here. Finley hits a tombstone on Benoit in the middle of the ring. Pins him for the three and your winner of the match. And still, WCW television champion at that time is Fit Finley. I want to be 100% honest with you guys, man. I thought this opening match was not that good, to be honest, man. I, I Chris Benoit, and I've stated this multiple times in different podcasts that I've done, Benoit is always going to give you 110% in every one of his matches that he's been in. And no one's going to change my mind. Fit Finley, you know, Finley to me, he's a wrestler's wrestler. He's a mat wrestler. That's exactly what he is. And you can kind of somewhat say the same thing about Benoit, but Benoit is going to bring it. And I feel like I feel like Benoit should have won this match, even though they gave it to Finley. Um, it just goes to show you how much WCW didn't have a whole lot of faith uh, or trust in Chris Benoit, because in my honest opinion, he should have been world champion for them multiple times, in my honest opinion, or at least United States champion or television champion. Multiple times, man. He was a hell of a competitor inside that squared circle. But hats off to Fit Finley for getting the win in this match. After that match, we went to our next match on the card as well. It is Lex Luger versus Brian Adams. This was a relatively quick match. Uh, Adams and Luger both exchanged in the middle of the ring. Luger, uh, Luger's keeping the pace of the match. Adams then hits a devastating pile driver on Luger in the middle of the ring. It was absolutely brutal. Adams then hits a backbreaker on Luger. Adams then hits a leg drop on Luger in the middle of the ring as well. Luger then gets up, puts Adams in a torture rack, and your winner by submission is Lex Luger. Like I said, this was a relatively fast match. Um, I don't hold, I don't know a whole lot about Brian Adams. Um, obviously, I believe he was Crush, if I'm not mistaken, uh, back in the WWF days. Of, of uh, yeah, like if I'm not mistaken, um, Lex Luger. I mean, again, man, he was Luger to me. Lex Luger when he was in WWF. Um, or you can even go back early WCW NWO days or NWA days. Uh, Luger was fantastic, man. In the early eighties, mid eighties to early nineties, Luger was fantastic. You know, he was a top notch competitor, um, great world champion in my honest opinion. Um, and he had a lot of gimmicks, man. I mean, he was always Lex Luger. Don't get me wrong, but he was also known as the narcissist Lex Luger, which I think that was one of my favorite gimmicks he was, he ever had. Then you had the whole Lex express thing when he was going up against Yokozuna um, and then when he got into the NWO, I feel like his career at that point kind of hit a peak where that was it for Luger. You weren't going to see like a top notch likes Luger anymore. Now credit Luger was getting up there in age and obviously one is, wasn't as young as he used to be when he was in, you know, early WCW days in WWF or WWE. Um, Brian Adams, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I don't know a whole lot about the guy, uh, Lex Luger, fantastic competitor. I was happy that he got the win in this match, but you can kind of tell that Luger, you know, starting to slow down a little bit. And just in my honest opinion, but hats off to Luger for getting the win in this match. After that match, being on to our next match on the card as well. It is a battle royal with the cruiserweights. The winner gets an opportunity uh, at Chris Jericho for his cruiserweight championship. Uh, the uh, competitors in this battle royal were Chavo Guerrero, Ciclope, Damian, El Dandy, El Grio, Juventud Guerrera, Marty Jannetty, which I was actually shocked to see him in this uh, battle royal. Billy Kidman, Evan Courageous, 
I believe this guy name was Lane, if I'm not mistaken. Psychosis, Silver King, and uh, one of the other names that shot me was Swinger uh, from ECW. He was in this uh, cruiserweight tournament, which was or battle royal, I should say, which was kind of crazy seeing him and Volano Four. It was a decent battle royal, relatively quick. I think it was maybe ten minutes, if that. Uh, Ciclope ends up eliminating Juventud Guerrero for get, uh, getting the win. And uh, after the match was over, Ciclope ended up taking off his mask and revealed himself as Dean Malenko. Uh, and Dean Malenko will go on to challenge Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight Championship, which leads us right into our next match on the card. It is Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho for Jericho's Cruiserweight Championship. Starting off the match, Malenko quickly attacks Jericho in the middle of the ring. Malenko then hits a back body drop on Jericho. Malenko then hits a dropkick on Jericho as well. Jericho then gets up, sends Malenko into the ropes, which was a brutal spot. Jericho then hits a lion salt on Malenko. Malenko then hits a devastating gut buster off the top rope on Jericho that looked absolutely brutal. Malenko then applies a Texas cloverleaf on Jericho. Jericho ends up tapping out. And your winner of the match, and at that time, new WCW Cruiserweight Champion, is Dean Malenko. Number one, I was happy with the result of this match. I, Dean Malenko, to me, was very underrated, and I stated this a lot of times in the past, other podcasts that I've done. Malenko was underrated as a cruiserweight, or just a competitor alone. Um, I, I felt like he was a fantastic wrestler. He was a guy where, obviously, he was very short in stature. You know, and, and his division that he wrestled in, was they were there was a lot of luchadors. Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, you know, Juventud Guerrero, just to name a couple that, were really fast-paced wrestlers, and you kind of wanted to see where Dean Malenko was going to fit into that um, that kind of style of pro wrestling. And I think he really held his own, man. He, To me, he was one of the best cruiserweight champions of all time, in my honest opinion. Um, I was happy with the result of this match with Malenko going over and becoming the new, at that time at least, the new WCW cruiserweight champion. Because to me, when I look at the cruiserweight division, I, I think of Dean Malenko. He's a fantastic wrestler, fantastic competitor. So hats off to Dean Malenko for getting the win in this match. After that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Diamond Dallas Page versus Raven in a Bowery Cage match. Pretty much anything goes. Weapons involved, hardcore kind of style. Uh, starting off the match, DDP quickly attacks Raven. Pretty much a back-and-forth matchup between Raven and Diamond Dallas Page. DDP ends up choking out Raven with a bull rope. DDP then hits Raven with a VCR, which I thought was hilarious. The crowd was chaining ECW at this time. Raven then hits DDP with a trash can. Raven then gets up, or Raven hits DDP with a pan as well. Raven then quickly applies a sleeper hold on Diamond Dallas Page. DDP ends up breaking the hold, but also takes out the ref by doing so. The flock is here. Van Hammer is also here. Van Hammer is no longer with the flock at this time. Van Hammer ends up attacking the flock. DDP then hits a diamond cutter on members of the flock. The one that he landed on Billy Kidman in that cage was brutal. And then DDP ends up hitting a diamond cutter on Raven. Pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Diamond Dallas Page. This was not a bad match either. This really wasn't. I mean, to be 100% honest, uh, the cage match and the way they set it up with, you know, kind of like an ECW thing, if you will, was not that bad. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, to me, I mean, what can you really say about Diamond Dallas Page, man? I mean, the guy, majority of his career, he was a manager. He managed guys like Scott Hall when Scott Hall was known as the Diamond Stud early WCW days. And he's, he's managed a lot of different talent. You know, I believe he started his in-ring career at like 35 I believe that's very, you know, that's up there in age to actually start your in-ring career. And DDP, was he wrestled for a while, you know, a long time and made a hell of a name for himself as an in-ring competitor, in my honest opinion. Um, hats off to Diamond Dallas Page for getting the win in this match. After that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon. 
pretty much a relatively quick match. Pretty much a back-and-forth matchup between Guerrero and Dragon. Dragon hits a head scissors on Guerrero. Dragon then hits an acai moonsault on Guerrero on the outside as well. Guerrero then gets up, hits a tornado DDT off the top rope on Dragon. Guerrero then quickly applies a Dragon sleeper on the Dragon. Dragon breaks the hold. Guerrero then goes to the top rope, hits a frog splash on the Dragon, pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Eddie Guerrero. This match, to me, is kind of like the first match on, the, on this card between Benoit and Finley. I feel like Guerrero could have done a hell of a lot better than in this match. Um, a big fan of Eddie Guerrero as well. Ultimo Dragon, I mean, what can I say about Ultimo, Dra uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon? Fantastic competitor, man. I've stated this multiple times. A dream match for me would be seeing Ultimo Dragon versus Tajiri. I think it would be an absolutely fantastic match, man. It would be back and forth, and I honestly couldn't pick a winner. I, I, you put them in an Iron Man situation, 60 minutes inside the squared circle, man, sign me up. Sign me up. It'd be a fantastic match, man. But hats off to Eddie Guerrero for getting the win in this match. After that match, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Goldberg versus Saturn for Goldberg's United States Championship. This was a relatively quick match as well. Goldberg's pretty much keeping the pace of the match. Goldberg hits a press slam on Saturn that was absolutely devastating. Saturn then gets up, hits a spin kick off the top rope on Goldberg. Saturn then hits a netbreaker on Goldberg as well. Goldberg then gets up, hits a spear on Saturn. And then Goldberg hits his signature jackhammer on Saturn. Pins him for the three, and your winner of the match, and still at that time, WCW United States champion, is Goldberg. Like I said, man, what can I say? This was right right involved in his under, Goldberg's undefeated streak. Um, Goldberg's already had prior matches with Saturn, where he pretty much dominated Saturn in every single time they had a match together. And I, I can tell you right now, I knew Saturn, even back then, there was no way in hell that Saturn was going to beat Goldberg and break that streak. No way. No shot. No shot. I'm not taking anything away from Saturn. You know, when he was in ECW, he was phenomenal, man. When he was in that tag team with Cronus, fantastic tag team, man. And it's crazy because if you look at the style of wrestling that he did in ECW compared to what he did in WCW, complete polar opposites. Complete, man. I mean, Saturn was doing high-flying stuff, 450 splashes, moonsaults. I mean, it was crazy stuff that he was doing in early ECW days. When he got to WCW, man, it was just a whole different type of Saturn. And then from there on out, it was no, there was nothing like him doing moonsaults and stuff like that. It just didn't happen. I mean, him doing that spin kick off the top rope, that was probably the closest thing I've seen him do in WCW that even had any kind of relation to what he did in ECW. That's crazy, man. Um, but hats off to Goldberg for getting the win in this match and at that time retaining his WCW United States Championship. After that, we can go into our next match, if you will, on the card. It is Eric Bischoff challenging Vince McMahon. The reason why I wrote this down and took notes about this because I thought it was really significant um, for this pay-per-view because I feel like at the time, people legitimately thought that Vince McMahon was going to show up at Slamboree and challenge Eric Bischoff. And you got to give credit where credit's due, man. Bischoff, you know, he knew what he was doing. And he knew that he, he was taking over professional wrestling at that time. And for him to go out of his way to challenge Vince McMahon to a match and have Vince not show up, on a WCW program is obviously going to put Eric Bischoff over as, you know, the better competitor, if you will, that having Vince showed up. If Vince not showing up kind of shows Vince being a coward by not showing up. And this was actually pretty significant in WCW. You know, it really was. So I definitely had to take notes on this and write this down and let you guys know how I thought about it. I thought it was awesome, you know, with Bischoff being in the rope and the referee doing the 10 count and, you know, pretty much counting out Vince McMahon and for not showing up in the match. This was phenomenal stuff, man. It really was. So hats off to Eric Bischoff. For putting this together, man, because I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. After that, Matt, after that, we go into our next match on the card. It is Randy Savage versus Bret Hart with a special guest referee being none other than Roddy Piper. 
again, this was a relatively back and forth match. Um, Hart was keeping the pace of the match. It was a decent match, but uh, Savage ends up winning by disqualification. I wish it was a clean match, to be honest with you. And I've stated this in the past as well. I feel like once Bret Hart left WWE to come over to WCW and be a part of Ted Turner and WCW, I feel like it was all about the money when it came to Bret going over to World Championship Wrestling, in my honest opinion, because they weren't booking him like how Vince was booking Bret Hart. And I felt like, again, he was another wrestler that could have been world champion on multiple occasions. But they just, it was at the time, it was just like Hogan and Sting, Sting and Hogan, you know? And I feel like, you know, Bischoff did not have a whole lot of faith or trust in Bret Hart as well. And it goes back to what I said about Chris Benoit. I mean, those two guys are great competitors, great athletes in that spread circle, you know? And where's the world championships at, man? I mean, he, I'm not saying Hart didn't become world heavyweight champion, but it wasn't like they were pushing Bret Hart like they would push Hulk Hogan. And how big of a star they made Hulk Hogan into be, even though he was already a big enough star as it was when he was with WWE and Vince McMahon back in the olden days. You know, and then he gets into WCW and he's a humongous superstar, if, if not probably bigger than what he was in WWE. Once he joined the NWO, it was game over. You know, Hogan turning heel, no one would have saw that coming. You know, when Brett being the same thing, Brett was a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, a lot of people put him definitely in their top five. Absolutely. I mean, people that I've talked about, Bret Hart's the best wrestler of all time in certain people's opinion. I definitely think people have, you know, even for me, he's definitely in my top 10. No doubt. If he's not in your top 10 of favorite wrestlers of all time, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the man has, you know, a a fantastic career, historic career. You know, has he gotten, you know, screwed over? Yeah. Look at the Shawn Michaels match that he had. The Montreal Screwjob. That's never going to change anybody's mind on what happened that night. No way. No shot. You know, and how Brett reacted. I mean, I, I think, it was, if I'm not mistaken, Brett went backstage and ended up hitting Vince McMahon right in the face. Don't blame him. You screwed him over. What do you expect was going to happen? You think he was going to come back into work the next day with a smile on his face? No shot. No. My hats go off to Brett for doing that. You know? And then, and then he turned into a heel, and people hated him. Fact of the matter is, is Shawn Michaels should have never won that match, in my honest opinion. They were done with Brett, and Brett's contract was up, and he was going. They were afraid if Brett won, that he was going to take that world championship that WWE has at the time and take it over to WCW, which would have been a humongous slap in the face to Vince and WWE at the time. That's exactly why they screwed over Bret Hart in that match and gave the belt to Shawn. It's a joke, man. It was crazy. As far as Brett and WCW, man, they did not push him where I thought they should have pushed him and been a superstar because I felt like he deserved it. But once he got into WCW, man, it just wasn't there for Brett, and that's a shame. Moving on from that, we go into the main event of the evening for Slamboree 1998 is the Giant and Sting versus the Outsiders for the Outsiders WCW Tag Team Championship. Again, this was a decent match, really back-and-forth match. Um, You know, it's always great seeing Sting in the ring. man. I I thought Sting was a fantastic athlete and competitor. And I love the Crow Sting gimmick. It was absolutely fantastic. Giant and Sting end up getting the win in this match and becoming the new WCW Tag Team Championships uh, champions. And rightfully so, man. I mean, how many times are you going to keep seeing Kevin Nash and Scott Hall be, tag, you know, the WCW Tag Team Champions? You need to change it up. You need to make it fresh. You need to make it as new as you can. And I feel like this was coming into a time where they had that NWO split when you had NWO black and white and then the NWO black and red, which I thought was a fantastic thing they did with that storyline with having the same nwo but two different types of nwo i thought it was fantastic and it was great to see who was going to join which you know which team 
who was going to be on NWO Black and Red, and who was going to be on NWO Black and White. You know, it made for great television, man. Great, it made for a great storyline. And I told you guys before, man, it's all about the storyline. Then the final product is you, them giving us a fantastic match. And that's up to them. That's what, that's what pro wrestling is all about. So uh, as far as my rating of this show for Slamboree, I'm going to have to give it maybe a six and a half, seven. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it was the worst or the best. Um, obviously, there was a lot of matches I could have done without. Lex Luger versus Brian Adams. I don't know why the hell they booked that match. I definitely could have done without that. Uh, the Finley versus Benoit match I thought was not that good, in my honest opinion. Uh, the Battle Royal was okay. It was great seeing um, Dean Malenko come back. And the names that were in this uh, Battle Royal, Marty Jannetty, uh, Silver King, Swinger from ECW. Didn't see that coming. Volano 4. Um, rest in peace again to Silver King. Uh, and then having Ciclope be a part of this uh, Battle Royal and then ends up Ciclope ends up being Dean Malenko which was kind of a shocker. So it was that was awesome. That was fantastic. Uh, the Malenko-Chris Jericho match was really good. DDP versus Raven was a great match. And to me, honestly, probably the match on the card for me. That was a fantastic match. The steel cage match was awesome. So I had to give it maybe like a six, six and a half. But that, this is my review for Slamboree 1998. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful. And remember, stay classic. Peace.